Welcome to the Common Sense Gospel. I am Danny Simmons. And I'm Kurt Norbit. And today we are going to ask, or no, we're going to talk about the second question that Jesus asked that we have chosen. Um, the first one was, what do you want me to do? Jesus had asked the blind man that were on the side of the road crying out to him, Hosanna, Hosanna son of David. Uh, the second question is actually very close by. It's found in Matthew chapter 21. It's also found in Mark 11 and verse 27 and Luke chapter 20 and verse 2. The question is, the baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And so we're going to see Jesus ask this question and take some things from it uh, that we think will be helpful to all of us. Do you have any uh, introductory thoughts, Kurt, about the question? Or Yeah, I, just in thinking about this as we were preparing for this podcast over the week and then our, our pre-show discussion in, in comparing ideas. Uh, in a way, this is such a simple question because it, it boils it down uh, basically to the fundamental subject of authority in spiritual matters. Is it from heaven or is it from men? Yeah. So that's it. There, there is no other source of authority in spiritual matters we're either going to follow dictates of men or dictates of God. But there's so much behind this question. And it's, it's more a question uh, than just about authority because as you look at this thing develop, this situation, this confrontation, as uh, Matthew points out here, the elders of the people confronted him. So this is a challenge. Yep. This isn't a seeking of information. Hey, we noticed you doing all these things. What's your authority? No it's, more. hey, we're the boss around here. <laughs> what are, where's your authority for doing this stuff? Yeah, that's right. So it, it is a, a challenge in his face. And Jesus' answer to their question is a question, which we're kind of taught you shouldn't do. You don't answer a question with a question. You just give an answer. Well, he, it would have not, it, it would have been unprofitable for him to just answer the question. Well, my authority comes from God. Because as we're going to see from what is exposed here, they wouldn't have accepted that. No. The problem here is not what authority Jesus has. It is their recognition of authority. Mm and their unwillingness to subject themselves to divine authority. That's right. Because if they had been honest, they would never have asked this question. He had just gotten done healing two blind men. Yep. That should have told them all they needed to know about whose authority you're doing this by. Yeah, we, all, we answer that. Well, we talked about the passages that tie to the healing of the blind. That there are multiple passages in the Old Testament that speak directly of only God can heal the blind. Yeah, that was a messianic miracle. Absolutely. So, so that, that has just happened. That should have hit him right between the eyes. But, you know, what we're seeing, again, is their attitude. Yeah. And that's what Jesus needs to get at. He, he doesn't usually give just a direct answer to a question when someone says, what about this? And he goes, oh, well, that's, you know, if you look over here in Deuteronomy 23, that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. He says, well, what do you think? Yeah. What's your understanding of the law? What, what if the baptism of John? Where did it come from? Yeah. He wants us to 
stop, because we don't stop usually. We're, our minds are racing and just freaking out. He wants us to be silent before God, use our minds that God has given us, look at the evidence, and think about this question. Yeah. And it's, in a sense, it's such a simple question because there's only one real answer. Yeah. So he wants us to consider that and come to our own conclusion. Yeah. Because then it's our own faith and not just say, oh, well, he said that, so okay. Right. It's it. hey, no, well, no. he's right. Everything surrounding this basically answers my question. So that's just the way it is. Awesome. And I have to go on from there. Yeah. Well, let's read it and get in the context, and then we'll yeah, talk about the couple of steps they took. Here. So verse 23, now when he came into the temple, this is the final week of his life. Mm -hmm. uh, he has already come into the temple uh, the day before. <clears throat> He's cursed the withered fig tree as he came in today. Verse 23 says, now when he came into the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he'll say to us, why then did you not, not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And so that's the context of the question, how they come in. Like you said, they confront him as he is teaching. Uh, we're told in Luke's gospel, it says, as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel. So mm -hmm. he is involved in actually sharing the good news of God. And here they come. You know, there, there's a big group of them coming together. We're told it's the chief priest. Mark and Luke both add the scribes are there. Mm -hmm. uh, and all three of them tell us that the elders mm -hmm. are there and they all confront him together. So this is a band of men who have come specifically to attack him. And they've got this one grand question. You need to tell us by what authority you've done these things. And, and they, have, they have enough authority to demand an answer. Uh, they, they are in charge of the temple. And, you know, in the beginning, they kind of have him in a spot. Uh, but but what I want to point out is that they've asked two questions. Yeah. By what authority, and then who and gave, gave it? Gave it. Yeah. So that those are yep. both very important. Um, number one for me, Kurt, I think is the question itself. By what authority? So we we've been focusing on authority, but they say, by what authority have you been doing these things? And my question is, what things? Mm -hmm. What is it that they're upset with? As you mentioned. Just a few days before this, he would have healed the two blind men on the road, which was part of our first question in Matthew chapter 20. Is it that thing that's got them so upset that God has healed the blind? Um, the triumphal entry. Mm -hmm. he, oh, yeah. he gets on the foal, a colt of a donkey. The foal, no, the colt, the foal of a donkey. And rides that animal in that had never been ridden before. And that donkey carries him in without any reluctance to do so. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, another picture of creation faithful or obedient to its creator. The triumphal entry says the whole city was stirred and the question that is raging everywhere is who who can this be? Yeah. So he is really stirring up uh, the emotions of the crowd and the crowd itself. This is 
Passover week, and so there's close to two million people in Jerusalem. It, the city is swelling. People are coming in from every direction, uh, as we had mentioned before. And so this giant city that's filled with people is uh, completely stirred about Jesus. And then the final thing he does, which we can see upsets them, is when he cleanses the temple. Mm-hmm. And so the, I think that's interesting because they say, by what authority are you doing these things? And if you just say, well, which ones, fellas? You know, which, yeah. which ones do you want to talk about? Cleansing the temple in this same chapter, Matthew 21, verse 12 says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written. Mm-hmm. Oh, what authority, huh? Yeah. It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, Mm -hmm. they were indignant. They, They were wroth. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, yes, I love that. Do you hear these children? Yeah, I heard it. (laughs) Boy, I sure can. It's beautiful. It's praise, yes. Have you never read, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? So David, or Jesus, applies Psalm 8 directly to himself um, as they ask him, do you hear what these are saying? So these things, he's he's turned over the table of the money changers. And what's wrong with that? The money changers being there in the temple. Well... (laughs) Just uh, bottom line, this was a nice money-making racket. Exactly. But Jesus says, you've made it a den of thieves. Yep. So he's calling them thieves. And what were they doing? They were forcing the people to buy acceptable temple offerings, sacrificial offerings. We we have these uh, priest-guaranteed unblemished lambs over here. Pre-approved. That's yeah, right. the, the, these are, uh, what do they call used cars now? Pre-certified or whatever. Yeah. They, so this this has been certified good. Now you have to pay our price yeah. in order to offer this acceptable animal. So they were just they were just raping the people. But it made it easier for the people to not bring the animal with mm-hmm. them, which was yeah, required real by convenient. law. So you're playing, paying a convenience fee. Yes. And so they're, they're it charging. Was a, it was a nice moneymaker. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there's two people there that he upsets by turning over those tables. It's the money changers and those who sold. Mm-hmm. So the money changers, as they exchange currency, because you have to have temple currency, they, again, jack yep. up the price. And, and you pointed out perfectly, Jesus says, it's a den of thieves. You yeah. are robbing these people. So that helps us see that they are absolutely robbing them. And then he, in that moment... He uses the authority that he always uses and stands upon, yep. whether he's standing before Satan mm-hmm. yeah. or the Pharisees yeah. or this whole group of men with all their religious garb on. He says, it is written. And they heard him because they get upset when the children start to cry out. So uh, the, the reality is that they have been trying to destroy him for months on end now. Mm-hmm. Every time they challenge him or they think they have the perfect question, he, he shows them how shallow their thinking is or how wrong they are. And so what's left for a guy who's full of pride who can't win? He becomes furious to the point of blindness. Yes, yep. They don't care about anything at this point except killing him. So these questions, you know, it's like, all right, we'll go through this with you. What's the question, you know? They don't want to talk to him. They want to murder him. Mm-hmm. And, and, 
And, but the people are there. They're listening to him preach. They've interrupted a sermon. So mm. in reality, the stage is set. Imagine this in the temple how packed this place is. Oh, yeah. People coming in to serve and, and, and to be faithful to God. And these men choose this platform to say, all right, that's it. You know, we're, we're the authority here, which was some truth to that. By what authority, and the question is stating to them, it didn't come from us. Because we don't yeah. know what authority you've, you're bringing. We know we didn't grant it. So mm-hmm. that's, that's basically what, what they've got going on so far. Yeah. And I, one thing, I, when you were talking about Jesus took his stand where he always does, he looks to the word of God. It's written. That's such a great example for us. Oh, man. When, when we are challenged about uh, a teaching of scripture from somebody, it should never be our think so. Well, here's how I feel about it. No, it's written. <laughs> right. we, we should be able to go to the Word of God like Peter says. Be ready to give an answer. Yeah. Jude says to contend earnestly. Well, we need to know what we're contending about. We need to be ready. And how to do it. And how to do it. And yes, so, sir. what do I need to know and how do I need to present it? Well, I look to the teacher. He's the one who always did it right. So I need to follow his example. And as you say, they're, they are filled with anger at all of this. They hate Jesus because he is directly challenging their nice feather bed of authority, yeah. which they then misuse to oppress the people, which is what Jesus has condemned up to this point for three years. Yeah. So that again tells us, you'd think that everything they saw Everything they heard from Jesus, they watched him in action. He's never been offensive. He's gentle. He's <gasps> friend of sinners. We can't right. have that. That offended him. So anger, though, any strong emotion obliterates the ability to reason. That's right. And so they, they just weren't willing to acknowledge these things, even though they, they knew it was real. Like you read earlier when in, up in verse 15, when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things he did, they were also hearing some things, the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. So they saw and they heard every single thing that was surrounding Jesus, and that wasn't good enough for them because they, they didn't want it to be. That's right. Like they said earlier when, when Jesus gives them the parable of the, of the wicked vine dressers after this incident uh, of, the, of the authority challenge that mm-hmm. they're giving him. He tells them exactly what's going on. He says they perceived that he was thinking of them. Yep. In that parable, he has them saying, this is the heir. Let's kill him and seize the inheritance. That'll be ours. That's all that mattered to them. That's right. We want the power and we're going to keep it, even though the Son is here. He's the only one in the way of our authority yeah. and power. Yeah. And they know he's the Son. They know he's the heir. <laughs> but they're so blinded by their lust for power and their hatred of a challenge to it that they're willing to fight God to keep what they want. That's exactly what they're doing. Which is insanity. Yeah. And as, as we have often pointed out, when you take God out of the picture of your thinking, when, when God is denied or relegated to second place, 
you are subjecting yourself to insanity because you're denying reality. Yeah. God is the ultimate reality. When you take him out of any picture you're looking at, you will now be insane because you, you won't be able to reason correctly because you're going from a false premise. Yeah. I've, def- I've rejected reality, so now I'm going to go by my own reality, which is what the leaders are doing here. And so they come to this man who's demonstrated his authority and asking him this question, which they should have been able to answer themselves. Yeah. yeah. I think they're I think they're hoping for a response that would the people would think he blasphemed, you know, as depending mm-hmm. on how he tries to tie himself to God the Father, which yeah. he had done before. Mm-hmm. But if they can get him to say it just the right way, they can yeah. tear their clothes or whatever they do to pretend to be you know, offended. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciate that, that you pointed out it is written that we have to respond that way. And I, I just want to tell you that I think a good litmus test that I've thought about in my own life is when someone says, why do you do this? You know, where you attend, why do y'all do this? Or why, why don't you do this? Mm-hmm. If my mind goes to the preacher to say, well, he, the when last sermon he taught, he told us, you know, that is not where I need to be coming from. Exactly. What he said may be right, but I've got to have my own foundation, which is it is written. It is from the Word of God. Yeah. I know these things to be true because I found them in the Word of God. That's a concrete place to stand, and, and I really appreciate that. I think for us, too, we, we, can, we can test ourselves if a question comes up or if I even ask a question of myself about Scripture. Where does my mind initially go to? Is it you know to my, my father, who's a really good Bible student, or that I, I trust this man's opinion on Scripture, because they're not to say that that would be a bad thing. It's good to yeah. have brethren who love the Lord. Yeah, and love it's his good word. to get input. But don't let Ultimate that be decision. your crutch. You're right. Yes. You read the Word of God and you see what it says so that you can give an answer, as you pointed out. Excellent, excellent point. So so Jesus' response now, they, they've asked the question, by what authority and who gave you this authority? His response is awesome because he says basically to them, Okay, you've, you've asked me two questions. Now, I'm going to ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I'm going to tell you by what authority I do these things. In other words, if you can answer my question, you'll have the answer to your two questions. Yeah. They're yeah. the same. Yep, that's right. And that is amazing. So, you know, like you said, typically we say, well, here's the answer. And he's not using that approach. But in a roundabout way, he is. Mm-hmm. Because if, if they get it right, we can all go home happy. Yeah, they don't, they've gotten the answer to their question. They don't Absolutely. Need to ask it yeah, that's a good point. So, so the question: the baptism of John, where is it from? From heaven or from men? And they now we see these, see these guys yeah. kind of back Uh-oh. up and huddle. Huddle they, up over here, boys. <laughs> this is they reason this among themselves, <laughs> and this is what they said: if we say from heaven, then he's going to say to us, "Why did you not believe him?" And Jesus says, "I can hear you over there. <laughs> yeah, come on." <laughs> but if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. And, and we're told in Luke's gospel that they feared the multitude, which they say here in Matthew, but it says they will stone us. Mm-hmm. And so no Pharisee wants to be stoned by the people that he yeah. holds yeah. authority over. That's, that, that was a sentence giving for, uh, for violation of the law. You have sinned in violating the law in certain cases, you know, capital punishment. So they know so that if they, they say, that. and they know if they say to Jesus, it's from men, that they're, the crowd's going to murder them. Mm-hmm. And they still don't want to think this through a little longer. Yeah. You know? that they, 
again, they're all so upset that they say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell him that we do not know. So yeah. the end of verse 27, he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Again, because it, it wouldn't have meant anything for him to tell them. Yeah. They have now, they've looked at the question. They've considered both possible answers, the only two possible answers, and they've rejected both. Out of what? Fear and dishonesty. Yeah, that's right. He'll ask why we didn't believe. Well, we don't believe. So it's unbelief. We're dishonest before God. The other one is we can't answer that because the people will get us. So fear. So here are these emotions coming in. The flesh is in here just interfering with the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, so they're just not willing. They, they, they take the coward's way out. That's right. They play the agnostic. That's right. We don't know. The stronger approach would have been to say, we refuse to answer you. We asked you first or something, you know. Yeah, that would have been That more, would have been honest. Yeah. We're not going to answer you. But to say, we don't know or we can't tell yeah. is a bold-faced lie. And it's, it's just a dishonest and cowardly answer. It's a deflection to get out of the situation. Mm-hmm. They know that if, he, if they say, okay, the baptism of John, clearly from God, then he is going to say, well, there's your answer. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you believe him? You failed to believe John, and you just said he's from God. And so why are you questioning me for? You know what I mean? It, it would unhinge everything that they, that they came in with. That yeah. We're the authority. If, if they say John the Baptist, his authority came from heaven, then that sinks them. Hello, yeah. Because they did not repent. They did not mm-hmm. turn to what John was saying. John calls them a brood of vipers when they step on the scene. And they mm-hmm. weren't there to repent. They were there to investigate while the people were coming out to the Jordan River. Yeah. And, and yeah. John lets them have it. So they're in a tough spot. Yeah, either answer they give. And they know that they these are the only two possible answers. will put them in a place they don't want to be. Yeah. They don't want to believe but they don't want the people to beat them up either. So now what? Yeah. Well, we'll just weasel our way out of this. And Jesus basically, he, uh, he closes the deal. He, he, he gave him a deal. Okay, you ask me a question, I'll ask you one. If you answer it, then I'll give you an answer. Yeah. And they apparently accepted that deal because they tried to deal with this question. Sure. They did answer it, we don't know. Well, okay. That was our deal. Um, you yeah. have not answered my question. I'm not obligated. Yeah, I am under no obligation to answer yours. And as we've already pointed out, it wouldn't have done any good anyway. Because they just didn't want to hear it. It's genius. Yeah, the teacher in action. Yeah, and, and now he's got them standing there fuming. He says, let me tell you about a man who has two sons. You know, so <laughs> yeah. you, you can just imagine. They're already just like, oh, they're so angry, but then he lays out the three parables that speak, as you pointed out earlier, speak directly to them, to their heart. He compares the tax collector and the harlot, which I love that because Matthew is a tax collector. Yes. And you know Matthew's, yes, his ears are perked up yeah. when he says the Amazing. publican and the tax collector will enter into heaven before you. And he's praising God for that. Absolutely. And the yeah. reason why, Jesus gives the reason why. The first son said, I'll do it, Father, which is the Pharisee, mm-hmm. and then didn't and do then it. And then didn't do it, yeah. The second is the publican, the tax collector, the sinner, who says, no, I'm not going to do it. They started off in a sinful situation, mm-hmm. but they decided later, by their own reasoning, I, I better do what God's told me to do. So they repented, and now yeah. they are going to be brought into the kingdom of heaven because they humbled themselves and repented. Yeah. 
And they, he says, which son did what the father asked? Just imagine. Yeah. Um, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which, well, that's, the, that's not a very difficult question, but it really puts me on the spot. Yes, the obvious answer. Just such simple questions. Man. And, and, and so he uses their answer again just to kind of continue to hammer home. And it's tempting to kind of keep going. But the, the question here, what we're dealing with today, is the baptism of John. Where was it from? From heaven or from men? Kurt, do you think it's fair? Because Jesus used this for the Pharisees, the elders of the people, and the scribes. Is it fair for you and I, if someone's wondering about authority, or you know, why should I do what God says, or however that's presented to us, would it be fair for you and I to say, let me ask you a question about the baptism of John? Would or, it still have the same any, impact? Uh, I think so, because we're still dealing with the same attitude. Uh, and that person now is being confronted with a choice. It's interesting. They confront him. Actually, now Jesus is confronting them. Yeah. Here's your attitude. You need to face it. Yeah. Are you going to humble yourself before God, or are you going to continue in your pride? And that's really what a question of authority comes down to. Yeah. Our response is either going to be humility or pride. Humility will say, yes, I understand that question, and it's only God that has the final authority. I need to submit to that. Yeah. Or pride is going to say, uh, uh, well, I don't know. I want to hold on to what I've got. You've put me in a predicament with this question, so I'm just going to, I'm going to blow it off and continue in my way. Yeah. And so if we ask that question, by, you know, if someone comes and says, why do I need to do what God says? And we just point out and give the answer to the, or the question that Jesus gave. Well, from from what does it come, yeah. God or man? Right. Who can save you, God or man? There's only one answer to that. Absolutely. And so it's going to force that person. And that's, I think that's why Jesus often asked questions. He wants to make us face the issue. Yeah. And we're so reluctant to do that, and we're so distracted to do that, that Jesus is just saying, okay, let's stop right here. Catch your breath. Let's pump the brakes. Look at this issue. Yeah. Consider this issue. Here is the issue. It's as simple as this. Is it from God or man? Now the answer's up to you. When that question, what it does is it pulls out the person that we're talking to and reveals their position or even, even the agenda. That they yeah. may be, they may it be exposes headed. their heart. Yeah, and, and if they're willing to see that, like you said, with in humility. Same with us. If we're willing to see that in humility, someone says to me at any point in my life, the baptism of John is it from heaven or from men, and I'm going to say from heaven. I'll always say from heaven. Sure, I know that's the answer. Yeah, because that's the only the prophecy source. in Isaiah, yeah, and Malachi yeah. and everywhere else about John. And it's, Jesus acknowledged it absolutely. Yeah. And so then say, well, then why didn't you believe him? Well, believe what? What did John preach? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that brings us all to the same spot. Mm -hmm. If John's from heaven and he told you to repent because the kingdom of heaven was at hand, why are you asking, you know, why do I have to do this or that, which the Bible requires me to do? Mm -hmm. Because the baptism of John is from heaven. It, I mean, I'm telling you, that's yeah. just such a broad stroke for us to say, oh, then I do have to do what God says. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be that specific question because someone might say, well, I don't know anything about the baptism of John. <laughs> yeah, right. But just bring it back down to that. What does God say? Are, 
are we going to buy, go by what God says or by what men say? Yeah. So that's your, that is your, that really is the question you have to answer Man. when you're faced with decision. Man says this, God says this, which way should I go? And I love that because, if again, if the situation takes place, someone says to you, uh, should we follow God or man? And so the, say, say the person you're talking to says, well, God, of course, which is the right answer. Then when we open our Bibles, we have two men following God. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not that I'm going to open the Bible and show you why my opinion is right. right. We're going right? to what is written. Yes. If, both of us are accountable to what we read together. So if one person has a little better understanding of Scripture, that's irrelevant to the fact that both are accountable to what's in the book. Yeah. The, the, uh, that incident with the Ethiopian eunuch perfectly illustrates that. Yeah. Philip runs up. He's the one who's got the information. Mm-hmm. And just asks a simple question. Do you understand what you're reading? And he didn't. Okay. So he's, oh, well, maybe, maybe you've got an answer. Come on up here. And here's my question. <laughs> yeah. Is Isaiah talking about himself or somebody else? And at that point, Philip began and, and preached Jesus. From that so, verse. Yeah, there, there it was. It is written. Yeah. Let's go to what God said. So we have two men standing on God's mm-hmm. word together. One realizing he has something he must do. And the other assisting him to do that. And, awesome. and really that comes, that is one of the lessons I think we can learn from delving into this confrontation that took place and how Jesus dealt with it. Uh, in Matthew 15, uh, he's, he's uh, criticizing the scribes and the Pharisees for their actions, the, the evil things they're doing to the people. And in verse 7, he says, Hypocrites, well does Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, the, the leaders, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Mm-hmm. So there, there it is again. They're teaching for doctrine, in other words, what should be coming from God, men's commandments. And Jesus rejects that. So... Yeah. Again, as we've pointed out several times, there are only two sources of authority in these matters, God or man. And God's is always the only valid one. That's right. We, we can recall when Peter stood before the, the Sanhedrin and they said, didn't we tell you not to preach in the name of Jesus? Well, they didn't even want to mention the name. Didn't we tell you not to preach in this name? Yeah. Well, Peter just echoed Jesus. Whether it's better to obey you rather than God, you judge. Uh-oh. You judge. Well, they didn't want to judge that. They wanted to judge them. And they ultimately did judge because they, they whipped the apostles. Yeah, they beat and them and them, ultimately them, they do it. killed James and tried to get Peter. So wow. or Herod did. But, but there again is that same issue. Mm-hmm. God or man. And it, Gamaliel, being wise, warned them. You know. Don't do anything to these men. If it's, it's, if it's from men, it'll collapse. It'll fall apart. That's but right. if it's from God, it won't, no matter what you do. And then we'll be fighting and, against God. And we're God. fighting against God. Yeah. And you, that's a losing battle from the get-go. <laughs> so, and I think a second lesson would be that we need to beware how we answer this question. When the question of Bible authority comes up, as we pointed out, we have one of two ways to go. We can either humble ourselves to it. This is the authoritative, this, this is what God said. Mm-hmm. So 
I want to do it that way because God is right and I want to glorify him. Yeah. Or my pride can kick in and say, well, I don't know. Or God didn't mean that. Or he wants me to be happy, so that doesn't apply to me. Wait a minute. <laughs> you only have one of two answers, humility or pride. Which one is going here? What, what's, the, what's the operative one in this situation? So we need to beware of that. Yeah. And then, of course, I think a, th a third simple lesson is if we can't find it in the Word of God, then where, what authority is that coming from? Nice. Whatever issue mm -hmm. it might be. Yeah. Well, I, I can't find the Word of God talking about that, so it has to be coming from men. And Jesus has rejected that. And we need he to reject is the it. king. Yeah. He is the Lord. So he's the one who speaks, not man. He is the only one. He, all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. Therefore, he has the say. And if we contradict that, we're not going to accept that. We are in rebellion against the king. And in that parable that he told in Matthew, he will crush that, that rebel. That's right. If they do not change their ways. Yeah, those are excellent points to take home, not just for the Pharisees to think about, but for, for us mm -hmm. to, to apply in our own lives. Very good. I like that a lot. So we've looked at the question about the baptism of John. We've looked at the implication to the answer. And that to say we cannot tell is a, yeah. is a weak, that's uh, untrue. Way out. We cannot do that. Yeah. That's, that's cowardly. Yeah. And it's dishonest. And, we, in, and another thing we see, we don't, we don't want the people and the thoughts and the will of the people, whoever that might be in our daily life, yeah. to sway what we, how we respond. Yeah. The people I may better be upset. not answer God's way because the people won't like that. Yeah, or I can't, well, if I do answer God's way, they will like it. I, it's, that shouldn't be the reason the issue, I give the answer. Right. right. It's not that. It's, it's that this is what because it's truth. God has revealed. Mm -hmm. It is written. Awesome. All right, well, we have trivia questions uh, to, <laughs> to try to tackle. In a lighter vein. <laughs> yes, to lighten it up a little bit. What What is the first trivia question you have? Okay. Uh, my first one is uh, from the Old Covenant Law. How many consecutive years could a farmer work his land? Six. Correct. Yep, Exodus 23.10. The seventh year he had to yeah. let his land lay fallow. That's right. Give it rest. Now, if stuff in that fallow field just grew up of itself, like, you know, tomatoes or whatever. They didn't have tomatoes <laughs> now. But, you know, plants will grow up even in a fallow field because yes, there is will. still seed in there. Yep. What could be done with that? This is an extra bonus question. I'm sure it could be harvested. By who? The stranger, the foreigner, the fatherless, That's the right. widow. The farmer still could not touch his land. Whatever came up in the fallow field was there for those in need to glean from. And that just forces you to trust in God, doesn't it? If yep. you have a year where you can't plant crops, yep. it forces you to trust in God. And, and the farmers abundance. today understand this principle because mm. they'll rotate their, their crops. Yeah, I, I have actually watched that happen where you'll see four fields. One of them is empty and the other three are growing either the same crop or different ones. Yeah. So they're just rotating through that uh, to give the land some rest, allow it to recover. That's still true. That yeah. is awesome. 
Good question. I like that a lot. Um, so my first one for you. Okay. I'm, I'm asking you to name two Bible ca characters who had no problem with lions. Daniel and uh, Elisha. Elisha? What's the I don't have I don't have him. What's the situation with Elisha? Um, oh, well, I might have that wrong. I, but the two I she bears. You talking about the two she bears that he that they come out of the woods and attack the yeah. People? It was bears, so it wasn't lions. Okay, so that's not a case. Okay, uh, yeah. So Daniel definitely went. Oh, and um, Samson. There you go. Daniel six twenty two is in the lion's den for the entire night. And mm -hmm. Daniel cries out from the den, my God sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. That's most important. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. The second one I had was Samson in Judges 14, five through six. It, it says, now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat though he had nothing in his hand. So Samson, yeah. Spirit of the Lord can get you to rip a lion in half mm -hmm. uh, with no trouble at all. But then, as I, you know, thinking there may be someone else, i got to make sure Kurt doesn't get one on me. Uh, David, 1 Samuel okay, 17, right, right, yes. 36, he tells Saul, your servant killed both bear the and bear the and lion. lion. Yeah, that's Gra right. He said he grabbed the lion by its beard. You imagine yeah. kids about 15 years old. You start slapping the lion around. You don't grab lions by beard. Don't beers. be coming up in here. <laughs> but David, courageous young man. So, yeah. But so far with Daniel, Samson, and David, every one of these characters was a faith and a confidence in God. Yep, that's where the strength came from. To stop the mouth of a lion. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, the third one, which you know doesn't directly tie to confidence in God, though I think it's implied, uh, Benaiah. In 2 Samuel 23, 20, says he killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. Mm -hmm. One yeah. of David's mighty men. I would have never guessed that, but yeah, that that's another, yeah, I remember that passage now that you read it. Uh, that's a, I've always been intrigued by that picture. Killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Yeah, in the midst, they both in there. how detailed <laughs> I know. that incident is. Yep. <laughs> by the so, way, it was snowing. Yeah. Yeah, so Benaiah is another one, uh, 2 Samuel 23 and okay. verse 20. Very good. Good one. Okay, here's my second one. Uh, regarding the plagues against Egypt that Moses brought on them as under the direction of the Lord. When, he, when the plague of boils was brought on Egypt, how did Moses induce that plague? What did he do to initiate it? Man, I want to say he hit something with his rod. Is that is that right? No, not that one. He throws something in the air. Yes. Ashes. Yes. From the furnace. That's right. Yep. That's Correct. Right. Okay. Exodus chapter nine verse eight. He took the ashes of the furnace and threw them up in the air, and the wind blew them, and boils broke out in the among all the Egyptians. It took me a minute, but that I remember that you know some commentary talk about that the taking ashes from the furnace was a direct uh, statement against Pharaoh because he forced the Jewish people to use the those furnaces to make the, the bricks. Mm. Or they did mm. use them. Interesting. And so he, take, he takes an item out of the ash, out of those yeah. furnaces. I never made that connection. That's Yeah, that's interesting. Pretty neat. I don't know. Yeah. You know the Bible doesn't say that. It's something to think about. Yeah, that's interesting. I like it. Because all those 
those miracles, all those plagues that were brought on Egypt was to demonstrate God's authority over Pharaoh and over the gods of Egypt. Everything so, he trusted in. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. That's, that's an interesting point. Man, that's really good. We're coming with some great questions. I don't know. I don't know how we're doing this, but I don't know. Are, and I feel like they're right. They're, we're they're challenging right each other. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not something that. Uh, oh yeah, who was Jesus' mother? Well, that would have been Mary. They're, you know, these are a little. There's something to work on. Yeah. So I'm enjoying. You it. need to open your Bible. You're going to get these right. Can you name a set? This is my final question to you. Can you name a a set of twin boys in the Bible? Well, that wouldn't be Romulus and Remus. You know who that is. But uh, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. Yeah, that's what immediately comes to mind. I don't know if there are another tw- set of twin boys. I was going to ask, can you name another? Because I can't find any other twin boys in all the Bible. Just thinking off the top of my head, I don't think so. Because that, you... that one twin birth was so significant, Jacob and Esau. Oh, we're we're going to be dealing that when we proceed in Romans in our Wednesday night class. Even but, the uh, birth itself, the, the Yeah, the, so strange. The embryos in the womb was a problem. They're fighting inside yeah. the womb and, and you know Rebecca's like, what is What's happening? What's going on? Yeah. The Lord has to tell Isaac that it's got nations are in your womb. In your womb. Yeah. And what comes from that, I mean obviously Jacob is the going to be the father of the twelve tribes of Israel. Just amazing. And I can't you know, if among our listeners, if you know of another twin boy situation in the Bible, let us know, because I, off the top of my head, I can't think of another one. I, I searched, not not extensively, but I searched, and there was nothing else. Yeah, I don't think so, because God makes a big deal out of that particular twin birth, and there's, I mean, I can't think of any other twin birth that would have such spiritual significance. No. That's what transpired out of that situation. No. But you got it right. It's Jacob and Esau, Genesis 25. Verses 24 through 28 is because the birth takes a little while. We've <laughs> yeah, got the red baby. The whole the, thing was difficult. Yeah, the, the supplanter is grabbing onto the heel. And yeah. So there's there's four verses given to that, but Genesis 25, 24 through 28. Well, good. We got it. I think we hit 100%, and we're hopeful that the, those listening did as well as we did. Uh, we want to thank you, as, as we always try to do. We want to thank you for listening to today and uh, being a part of the work that we're trying to do. It's, it's so encouraging. It means a lot to Kurt and I both. And uh, from the bottom of our heart, thank you so much.